You may be seated. You know, sometimes the word just jumps out of a text that you hadn't noticed before. And I hadn't noticed this in reading the lessons uh, for the day, um, starting last Monday. And right as the, uh, the lector was reading this psalm, God brought back to my mind something. We said these words, I will perform my vows to you that my lips uttered and my mouth promised when I was in trouble. I will perform the vow I made to you when I was in trouble. You know, sometimes it's unfair of God to hold us to these things. Uh, what popped back into my mind was when I was about 10 years old. And uh, we had a friend of the family who, I grew up, you know, in California. We had a friend of the family who, who gave me three turtles, desert tortoises. It was legal to have them now. Now they're an endangered species, so you can't have them. And I had three of them that were given to me. One was about like that, and he was some 70 years old. You can tell how old they are by the scales on the back. And one was about like that, and he was in his 30s. And one was like this, and he was a teenager. And I put them in the backyard, and they burrowed under the garage where they hibernated in the winter and came out in spring, summer, and fall. And I'd go out and feed them, but they'd also graze on the clover leaves and blossoms out in the backyard. But one day I was up in um, the foothills of the Sierra Nevada mountains where my Auntie Ethel and Uncle Charlie lived, great aunt and great uncle, traipsing through the woods, and I found a western box turtle. Boy, was I excited. And I brought him back and put him in a box and drove him back home and put him in the backyard along with the desert tortoises. You know, a western box turtle can run rings around a desert tortoise. Used to be I didn't have to be all that vigilant about keeping the, the, the side gate closed because the desert tortoises moved real slowly. But with this western box turtle, you had to watch diligently because, you know, turtles crawl around the fence. It doesn't matter how far it takes them to get across the yard, they like to be right at the fence, kind of like people. Give them a boundary and they get right up to it. One summer day, I go out to feed the turtles. And the, we the desert tortoises were there, but nowhere could I find the western box turtle. And I glanced over and noticed that the side gate was slightly ajar. And I thought, oh, gosh, he's gotten out. I had searched high and low in the backyard, no western box turtle to be found. And I no doubt he was out in the neighborhood. So I went up and down the alleyways, backyards, front yards, traipsing through flower beds. I must have destroyed more beautiful flower beds than you can imagine in the neighborhood. And then after three or four hours of looking for this thing, I did what any good Methodist boy would do. I came home, knelt there on the bedside, and I made my vow. God, I will spend the rest of my life serving you. 
I'll spend the rest of my life serving you. If you'll only let me find that turtle. Tears in my eyes, I get up. Go out to the back porch. Survey the backyard with new eyes of faith. And I notice for the first time a galvanized tub turned upside down. Some of you remember those galvanized tubs that you used to take out to picnics with ice and drinks and watermelons and that sort of thing. Turned upside down and the still small voice within me said, go turn over that tub. You know what was under there. The western box turtle. Spend the rest of my life serving you. (laughs) Was it that big of a deal, God, you had to hold it to me? I tell you it was unfair. So I drifted away from God. Junior high, I'm out of the youth group. Senior high, nowhere to be found. Till 21, I'm converted. Come back to that. Have you ever made a vow to God? Did he hear it? Do you remember them all? Jesus said to his disciples before his crucifixion, they're in the upper room. They've just had the Last Supper which we call the Lord's Supper. This is my body, which will be broken for you. This is my blood, which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. They didn't know what he was talking about. But he made a vow to them after that. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Let's pause there for a minute. If you love me, do you love him? I love him a little. Sometimes I think I love him more than at other times. But weak is the effort of my heart, as the psalmist said, and cold my warmest thoughts. Is that true for you? Do you love him more than you love yourself? Because most of the time I don't. Sometimes I love myself more than I love my wife, though I vowed I would love her and care for her. And sometimes I love myself more than I've loved my children. God knows that. Forgive me, Lord. And so when I don't love those I can see, How much do I love the one I don't see? But Jesus said, if you love me. Sometimes all we can say is, Lord, I I love you some. Give me your grace to love you more. If you love me, you you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father. It's a promise. It's a vow. I will ask the Father And he will give you another, like me, 
another like me. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, but you will receive because he will be with you and in you. Elsewhere, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You know, what I like about this time of the church year, I know sometimes the church year, that which we and priests and bishops like to follow and, and talk about how important they are, and sometimes I suppose that you just kind of glaze over. But one of the things I like about this season of the church year is all those things that we've been focusing on for the last few weeks suddenly come home to a place that is going to impact your life if you let it. Profact it profoundly. Change it dynamically. Infuse you. And you'll never be the same once it happens. You see, we've been talking in the season of Lent, of the approaching cross of Jesus Christ, how Jesus said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. He spoke of how he was going to die on the cross for the sins of the world. If you're here in this church today and you have done some things you shouldn't have done and you've not done some things you should have done, you've sinned. And guilt usually follows sin. And guilt can be hard to deal with. And guilt can go back years. Memory can bring it up. It can bring up good things. It can bring up bad things. And sometimes when it brings up things, the things that it brings up beat you up again. Because you're reminded of the things you've done wrong. But Jesus was lifted on the cross that you might be forgiven. He was raised up from the grave in order to open for you eternal life. For when Jesus came up from the grave, he opened a door that had been shut from the death of the first human being. The great entryway to the presence of God. He opened the door. And you can come before. Then, this Thursday, the Feast of the Ascension, we will remember that he was lifted up a third time into the bosom of the Father where he will rule and reign over all things and he will release the Holy Spirit to come upon you. If you love me, I will ask the Father and he'll give you another. Even spirit of truth, the helper. The word there, translated helper, is paraclete. It's a name for the Holy Spirit. A helper, comforter, counselor, advocate, guide, companion who will be with you and in you and on you, with you. Do you all sing that, that song here? Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your holy presence, what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord. Do you sing that here? 
You know what you're singing? Sometimes we think when the Holy Spirit comes on, comes up, shows up, he's going to cuddle us, put his arms around us, and fill us with peace. Have you ever had him show up and you want to go down on your face before the holiness of his presence? Then you say, I don't know if you're welcome or not. Not that close. He will be with you. One day, Jesus was with Peter and Andrew, James and John. They were in the fishing boat, you remember. They had fished all night and caught nothing. And Jesus was being pressed on by the crowd, so he got into Peter and Andrew's boat, and they went out a ways, and Jesus preached. And after Jesus had finished preaching, he turned to Peter and said, Let down the nets. And Peter said, Lord, we fished all night and caught nothing. You're a carpenter. What do you know about this stuff? (laughs) Jesus said, throw the net over. You get a catch. And they filled the boat up with fish, and Peter went face down in the fish because he was too close. And Peter, you remember what he said? Depart from me. For I'm a sinful man. The Holy Spirit longs to be with you. But when he shows up. Sometimes he can unnerve you. For many years. A few years anyway. I I worked as an apprentice electrician. With the Santa Fe Railroad. I still remember the first time I walked into a locomotive. You know a locomotive. A diesel locomotive. Locomotive. The diesel engine only drives the alternator, the generator, and the generator supplies the uh, the electricity that goes down to the traction motors that moves the thing along. So I go into the cab along with the journeyman electrician I'm working with. He opens up the cabinet, and there are wires going everywhere. And I said, how in the world do you know which one you work on? He said, you only work on one wire at a time. I said, that's good to know, but you just still have to know which one. Well, one day, the locomotive was shut down. It's not running. There's nothing running. But there's what you call residual residual magnetism, which means it's voltage just waiting to be released. 600 volts. And I'm working on a bus bar with a ratchet. And suddenly I make connection and 600 volts come right at me. Knock me across the cab. And I start walking home. And the journeyman said, where are you going? I come to, halfway out to Roundhouse. And he said, I said, uh, what? He said, where are you going? I said, oh, I was going home. Almost went all the way home. The human body's not made to connect with 600 volts. You know that? It is disruptive to the equilibrium. When the Holy Spirit comes, sometimes he's disruptive to the equilibrium, but he's good. And he wants to be not just with you, he wants to be in you. 
to do a work of transformation and to guide you and speak to you. I came to, to Christ at the age of 21. It was on Thanksgiving night. A lot of things happened in a very short period of time that enabled me to get a sense of the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. But I was still trying to discern his voice. Do you know the difference between the voice of the Spirit and your voice? Well, I'm only a month into this, trying to learn these things. But I'm trying to walk with Jesus as, most, as best as I can. And I'm driving one day for lunch to Taco Bell, 1971. And while I'm driving down to the Taco Bell, I see a guy hitchhiking on the other side of the street. And I thought I heard the Holy Spirit say, pick him up. But you know, kind of like the turtle, I'm walking along the fence. I said, Lord, he's going the wrong way. I'm going this way. If that's you, and I don't know it's you, if that's you, if he's still here when I finish my tacos and start back the other way, I'll pick him up. So I got there, ate the tacos, ordered another one, spent a little bit more time, <laughs> finished all the Coke before you get in the car. They don't have cup holders in those days. And I start back the other way, and I get to where he was, was and he's not there. And I said, see, Lord, he's not there. I went another block or two, and there he was. Darn, a pullover. He gets in the car. We're driving down the street. And then that voice again. The Holy Spirit will be with, in you, with you and in you. This voice says, ask him if he's a Christian. I said, Lord, that's tacky. <laughs> I was already an Episcopalian or an Anglican, didn't know it. Lord, that's tacky. Ask him. You're not a Christian, are you, by chance? Ha, 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 ha. He said, yes. I became a Christian two days ago, and I was doubting really badly. I didn't know if God was there, and I, I said, God, if you're there, have a Christian pick me up. <laughs> I don't know who was most excited, him or me. But the Spirit of God wants to be in you. And with you. He wants to come upon you to empower you for ministry. You know, some years ago, a young inner city youth in Manchester, England, was standing outside of this cathedral like stone church in the inner city area of Manchester. It was a Sunday morning. He paused because he heard organ music coming from inside the cathedral and a choir singing. And in a very unusual moment, like I said, he paused because most of the time people don't pause outside our churches who do not know God because they don't expect anything there will help them with anything in their lives. That's the sad, awful truth of how most young people are today. They think we're here to condemn them. 
They don't know that Jesus Christ came into the world not to condemn the world, but that through him the world may be saved, but they don't know it. So he paused. And a woman from inside the church suddenly remembered she left something in her car that she needed, so she went out to get it. And on her way back into the church, the young man said, Excuse me, ma'am. But does this church work? It looks like a monument. What a question. Does it work? You see, he had spent all his life in inner city Manchester with things that worked and didn't work. Vacuum cleaners, computers, automobiles, cell phones, bureaucracies. So it was only natural that he would ask about the church the question that life had forced upon him. Does it work? How do you answer that question? I guess the only way you can answer it is, does it bring you the presence of God? Does the power of God show up to transform people's lives? Does it heal? Does it announce and bear witness of the love and glory of God? Does it make contact with people in the world so that God can touch them? Because if it doesn't do that, pardon me, but it doesn't work. The question, does it work for those out there as well as those in here? And does it work for those in there as well as those out there? I think this place works. But we're getting ready for that season of the church year when we focus upon the Holy Spirit. He is the life giver. He is the power and presence of God in the lives of God's people and in the life of the world. And we will be measured by what we do out there as much as what we do in here. Well, I made a vow a long time ago as a young boy of 10 years old, and I'm stuck with it. (laughs) So since I've got to do it, I made a decision driving out here today. I was a conservative young man so I could be a wild old one. (laughs) I want to see God work in new and powerful ways. I just don't want to talk about it. I want to see him change lives.